1: As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
2: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires like the highly consumer rated BF Goodrich All Terrain TA KO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive. You can go to tirerack.com/dam tirerack.com. The way tire buying should be. You are listening to the Dan Patrick show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend everybody. Ready to go on this Monday. My brackets aren't But I don't think anybody's brackets are doing that well. Although I'm looking at the Celebrity Bracket Challenge, we had over 10,000 people who entered. The first place bracket belongs to a person who is not affiliated with basketball in any way, shape, or form. He is a frequent guest on the show. Anybody want to take a guess who is first with the celebrities? Yes, Todd. John Smoltz. John Smoltz, Ooh. no, but he does love Michigan State. Seton O'Connor. Well, following along this weekend, Sandman was dominated. Sandman is in second place. Ooh. Bracket Challenge. John Smoltz in third. And of course, you would think that Peter King would be number one with the Celebrity Bracket Challenge. Obviously. Yes, obviously. Todd Fritz is tied for fourth with John Daly, Connor McDavid, Nichelle Turner. Troy Aikman and Ross Tucker, yeah, Paul.
3: Peter King. When we last time on the show, last had him on the show, he said this: "I don't watch one second of college basketball. I haven't watched one second, but I want to be in the contest."
2: The uh, bottom three right now: Rebecca Lowe is uh, has the worst bracket, Damn. then uh, Darius Rucker, and then Josh Dumel. Josh Dumel still winning in life, and so is Darius, <laughs> and so is Rebecca Lowe. But that's the celebrity bracket challenge. By the way, the odds to win, March Madness, according to DraftKings this morning, Alabama, then Houston, Connecticut, UCLA, Creighton, and then Texas. As we always do every Monday, best and worst of the weekend, what you saw that you liked, you didn't like, and you start to look around. And normally when you fill out your brackets, you'll fill out your brackets because you know that coach or that school has a tradition of doing well. Only four former champions remain in the tournament. UCLA, Connecticut, Arkansas, and Michigan State. The last time the Sweet 16 contained four or fewer former champs, you have to go back to 1999, that's when you had Ohio State, Duke, Michigan State, and Kentucky.
1: Woo! Ow, stop!
2: Seven Seven Three dp show email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle, at dp show. We go into March Madness, and we're looking to see which team is playing the best, who's going to be the number one seeds, but we're always looking for the Cinderella story. And this year hasn't disappointed. You go into next Thursday and Friday for Sweet 16, and there's a unique blend in here. Connecticut and Michigan State have both won the title before. The uh, two teams... Coming in as a four and a seven seed. Then there's the Princeton Tigers. Their head coach will join us coming up a little bit later on. The 15th seeded uh, Princeton Tigers, Mitch Henderson, will join us. And, uh, you know, you you get a couple of impressive wins. You knock off Arizona. You uh, knock off Missouri. And now you're in the Sweet 16. And this is where you make one of those runs. If you get another win... All you want to do is have somebody talk about your program. Although there was a really funny line from Nicole Arbach, who uh, writes for uh, The Athletic. She said, oh, can't wait to see all of those kids who now want to go to Princeton because Princeton's, uh, you know, winning in the tournament. Yeah, good luck. That happens sometimes. You'll see a team do well, a school do well, and you go, that's where I want to go to school. No thought of what you're going to major in. It's like, hey, Alabama's winning in football. I'm going to go to Alabama. That's what Paulie did, or at least tried to. Sure, I applied there because I heard you got, like, free <laughs> football tickets. Stat of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. This hour's program brought to you by Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz SUV. The uh, chance to go in and uh, set up a test drive, your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Say good morning if you're watching on Peacock. All you have to do is download the app and you can watch this program and our radio affiliates, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio, and nearly 400 cities around America. Operator Tyler's standing by to take your phone calls. There's always those storylines you're watching, and then there's a a subset of that storyline. The Kentucky situation is interesting because it felt like John Calipari was on the warm seat, if maybe not the hot seat this year. They end up losing yesterday to Kansas State. And John Calipari has the number one recruiting class coming in. He has the number one player in the country coming in. He recruits himself out of trouble. It feels like because you know normally you win and to get out of trouble he recruits because you're like oh, if if you know he leaves then what are we going to do you know is he going to take the recruits with him well here is uh, Coach Cal on the expectations at Kentucky this season.
4: Do you empathize with sort of the sense of frustration that uh, I'm sure some Kentucky fans are feeling right now about kind of where things
1: are? I I have empathy. You know, I I understand what this program's about. And uh, I think, again, that's what makes it what it is. And that's why I tell players this isn't for everybody because the expectations are so high. And um, the same with coaching. It's not for everybody. This thing is, there's, there's a high expectation level, and it is Kentucky. You put that on, the other team's going to play out of their minds, and they're going to play like they have nothing to lose. And that means you got to play that way.
2: He puts the blame on the players, basically. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I can tell them play hard. I didn't tell them to get out-rebounded. I didn't tell them to not hustle. <laughs> he's like, ask them. I can only, you know, there's only so much I can do. And, and he's right about that. But we don't want to hear that from a coach. You know, usually you're going, hey, we, we got to play harder. You put the loss on me. <laughs> coach Calipari's not that way. He's like, go ask them. I told him, make their shots. Yeah, Paul.
3: Yeah, he he's kind of counter in his, like, even at halftime, like, I didn't tell him not to guard the three. Who told him not to guard the three? <laughs> We practice all week to guard the three.
5: Yeah. He had this moment last night, too, John Calipari, where he was, uh, the game was in like the last minute of the game, and there was another foul call, and he, I don't think, agreed with the way the game was being officiated, Mm. and he just stood there, (laughs) right in front of the ref, Uh, clapping the most sarcastic
2: clap I've ever seen. Well done. Good job. But he's got a great recruiting class coming in. Yeah, Paul. But, but does a guy like John
3: Calipari get out before they get him out? Or it, it doesn't work that way. Like, you can't leave when you have the number one recruiting class. But this, if he were ever going to leave, should be the time he leaves. When it's still his choice-ish.
2: I would want to coach the those recruits coming in. But if you bow out early next year, it's worse than this Well, year. he's – the. but, you know, some of these recruits are going to be gone next year. Right. What is it, D.J. Wagner? I mean, he's a one-and-done. He's going to leave his car running in the parking lot. Yes. Yeah. He's not even going to have a library card. But I I think, I don't know what Coach Calipari is facing there, Kentucky, other than the expectations of what he has built, that every year you expect them to bring in great talent and make a run in the tournament. But, you know, in all honesty, when you look back, nobody's had more talent and done less with the talent, with the bottom line of winning championships. Because when Coach Cal comes on the show, he tells us how many billions of dollars his players have made in the NBA. And there's a famous line about Calipari that he says, hey, I'm not here to win championships. And he's right. He's only won one. But his job is to bring these kids in, let them play one year, because that's what you have to do to go into the NBA, and then get you into the NBA. Get you as ready as possible. But you're going to bring in another... Highly recruited, highly uh, touted recruiting class here. And the expectations are going to be even higher next year than this year. Yeah, Poe.
3: Imagine if you're a local kid, like you said, I wanted to go to Alabama to watch football. Imagine if you went to Kentucky and half the reason was to watch a basketball team. If, if you started there four years ago, no tournament. They missed the tournament. They bowed out in the first round. They bowed out in the second round. They've had one NCAA tournament victory in the past four years. That's hard to, almost hard to do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: With that much talent.
3: Usually he, those Kentucky teams usually win a couple and then they bow out in the final eight or 16.
5: Yeah. See. But his, re- right, his record in the tournament is something like 57 and 20 or whatever. So, and even with, I know going into this tournament, I think it was 32 and 10 with uh, Kentucky under Calipari in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That's so the expectation is the next guy do better than that. Yeah.
2: By the way, uh, looks like Rick Pitino has a new job. He was at Iona, got them to the tournament again. Let me uh, hit the Wayback Machine, because it was almost a year, uh, two years to the day. Two years to the day that uh, Rick Patino said this on the show. I know that you're on record as saying you're going to retire at Iona, right? Yep, 100%. If Indiana called, would you listen to Indiana?
6: I've had a few calls from people about, and I'm not saying Indiana, about other situations, and I told them, look i'm I'm honored, I'm complimented uh, but I, I you see Dan, when when the President and the athletic director flew over to Iona, I tried to because he was the uh, he was the president of Transylvania, a small school right next to the University of Kentucky. I tried to explain to him what went on at Louisville and how I had nothing to do and he, he interrupted me, wouldn't let me go ten seconds more and said coach. We've already spoke to all Kentucky officials. We spoke to the Louisville AD. We spoke to seven players you coached at each school. That We have already done our homework. We wouldn't have flown 16 hours here if we didn't do our research. So don't even bring it up again. We want you to be our coach. When he said that uh, I wasn't sure I was going to take the job, I immediately knew in my mind. I was with my son, uh, my nephew, and my niece and um, in Madrid, and I immediately uh, knew I was taking that job. So I have no interest in any place, anywhere. Um, would I like to someday go back to the EuroLeague and coach there again? If, if Iona ran out, yes, I would. But outside of that, it's just retirement.
2: All right. Well, coach is now headed to St. John's. It looks like, and I get it. Look, but you box yourself, you know, in a corner here when you say, "Hey, this is the only place." I don't. I, can, I understand you want to say all of those things when Iona brings you in. I can't imagine coaching anyplace else. Okay, but you got to leave a little window here. You're a coach. You're a coach. This is Rick Pacino. I, I, I blame you, Dan. You can't
3: ask a coach if this is his last
2: stop. <laughs> well, you, that's a flawed question. Well, <laughs> call me flawed then. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marv.
4: Do you really think in his mind he really thought this was it? Like, look, I'm lucky to have this job at
2: Iona. No, 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 no. No, because you want to continue to to be great. And and he's a, a great coach. We all know that. But you get to a point where you're going to be attractive to these other schools. Because Georgetown, St. John's, some of these openings are going, well, do we take a chance on somebody younger or somebody we know who can come in and get us to the tournament? I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be a winning program. Now, this is a big challenge for him to take over St. John's. But if you bring St. John's back, now, I don't know if you could bring it back to the Louis Carneseca days, but if you bring him back and you own the city, boy, that's a big, big... That would be a great accomplishment for uh, Patino. But he was in Greece. He went over there to coach. He couldn't coach here. He was toxic. Now, here he is, back. And then, perhaps... Going to St. John's. Yeah, Seton. It does still seem so crazy that with the history of basketball in New
5: York City, there should be a college powerhouse there. Yeah. There really should be. Yeah, As
2: much as they love college basketball. Yeah, Marv.
4: I feel the same way about DePaul. Like in Chicago, wait, you don't have better players? Paul could speak to that better than I could. That's
2: been a long, long time.
4: But the fact that you have all these guys. The best yeah. player in Chicago normally is probably an NBA talent level player. And not sure. even th- DePaul's not even in their top five.
2: Yeah. But those guys aren't staying. They're going to, you know, Duke or Illinois, any place but DePaul. But that's when you had Ray Meyer and you had, you know, some great, great players. Aguire and Terry Cummings and made tournament runs and number one seeds. But that's a long time ago. You have to go back, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah, Paul.
3: You know, with Patino, there, I can find articles from a few years ago say, wow, what a, what a sad way to end in 2017-18 at Louisville. But then his lawsuit, you know, his firing was changed into a resignation. He settled. He didn't take any money, but he they declared it like it was not a firing. Can you believe that if you would have said that this guy's going to have another act or acts, plural, no one would have bought that four years ago, Rick Patino.
2: Well, now you don't have to worry about, you know, money, because that was brought up, too, that, you know, how much did you pay this recruit? A Five star recruit. Well, you can do that now. That's not a big deal. Now there's other things that Patino has been involved in, like uh, after hours at his restaurant, that you don't want your coach to uh, be involved in. But there's, you know, it, it's not smooth <laughs> around the edges there with Rick. But he can coach. He he's you know could be on the short list of top coaches in in uh, basketball history. NBA and college basketball. He is that good. And if you go back to what he did at Providence when he had that really small lineup, Billy Donovan was on the team, and he is one of the first coaches to take advantage of the three point shot. And he had a tournament run. He's just a, a, a brilliant basketball mind. And with what he did at Louisville, you know, he, he knows how to coach. He did that at Kentucky. He know, You know, I remember going to Kentucky when Rick was there and they had just come off uh, probation. They won 13 games. I think they went 13 and 13. And I thought it was an unbelievable coaching job. 14 and 14? Yep. 14 and 14. And uh, Jamal Mashburn, I and I went down there to do a story on what he did. Was able to you know, breathe life back into a legendary program there. But it looks like he is headed to St. John's. Is that official?
3: I don't think the paperwork's been done. He hasn't been introduced in any way, but it was hours after the game, less than three hours after the game, it was announced that he was going to St. John's. I don't think it's done done.
2: you got Notre Dame that's going to be open, Georgetown that's going to be open. I mean, these are all really good jobs. Well, Georgetown used to be. But in Notre Dame, like Mike Bray is stepping down, but he said, I, I'm not retiring. But it's like, a, I feel like that's kind of a weird transition there. And he's been there a long time. he have been there over 20 years. All right. Uh, we'll get your phone calls here. And once again, we'll talk to the Princeton head coach, Mitch Henderson, who also is a former player there at Princeton. Man, everybody, if it, you fill out a bracket, you can't go into somebody's house with them telling you, showing you their bracket, and they have no idea about college basketball. I went into, uh, I, I was uh, visiting a, a friend and walked by, and uh, her and her husband had their brackets out, and they were watching Kansas State and Kentucky. And they wanted to tell me that they picked Fairley Dickinson. And uh, I said, Well, awesome. And, and, but if you say, well, why? And they go, oh, we just, they're in New Jersey school. And I go, okay, I get it. But they want to tell you, uh, Josh Dumel sent me a note late, uh, Thursday night. I don't know. He had some, he might've had Furman or something. He goes, I had Furman. I said, you're in last place. Shut up. You know, everybody's got a bracket. All right. Let me take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to phone calls here. Best and worst of the weekend. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. How are your brackets? Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Hour two on this Monday. More phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you like. There are a lot of both. 877-3DP-SHOW. Operator Tyler is standing by. Say good morning to our radio affiliates, iHeartRadio, Fox Sports Radio. And if you're watching on Peacock, our streaming partner, and if you're not, all you have to do is download the app. You can watch for free. Poll question for our two is going to be what? Seton O'Connor? Dan, I threw two of them up there already. Uh, Who had the worst weekend, of course? Purdue, Kentucky,
5: Kansas, Duke. Uh, Purdue running away with that one, 86% of the vote. That's unfortunate. Okay. Um, and then I also threw up there because we were just talking about it. Uh, who would you rather have? Odell Beckham Jr. or Brandon
2: Cooks? 65% of the audience say? OBJ. Brandon Cooks. Oh, okay. Well, I do need to see OBJ. He's running routes. He's in shorts, and he's making one-handed catches. That's great. I just want to know if he's going to be healthy. Can he stay healthy? how much of those two surgeries, ACL surgeries, are going to impact him moving the forward. Second one feels... I know with modern medicine, but having ACLs and having an ACL myself and just trying to get back to normal life, uh, what I'm seeing now is impressive with OBJ. I just don't know how much he is asking for. Because is it $20 million a year? I don't want him at $20 million. If I could get him for... Seven or eight million? Sure. I'll bring in a one-plus-one incentive-laden. Yes, Paulie?
3: In the past three seasons, Brandon Cooks has 230 catches. Odell Beckham has 70. Okay.
2: Plus, you're getting two different personalities there, Brandon Cooks and uh, OBJ. But I thought Jerry Jones, that he couldn't pass this up. I mean, if if you're going to... You're losing Zeke Elliott, which to me is not that big of a loss. But if you're going to make that offense be a dynamic offense, are you changing the style of your offense? Are you going to give more targets, more weapons for uh, Dak Prescott? Or do you want to be a, a running team, a more conservative team? You know, Mike McCarthy talked about that, being more of a running team. I don't want to pay my quarterback $45 million to be a running team. And you just got rid of Zeke and Tony Pollard's coming off surgery. Yes, Mark.
4: Odell Beckham's Twitter said, I'm just confused where the quote is for me that said I want 20. All I'm saying is that four ain't enough. Yeah. So five.
2: Oh, okay. So he'll sign for five. He said four, so I said five. That was five for 100. Yeah. So it's 20. I I would say like four (laughs) for $20 million. Like, it's $20 but it's four years for $20 million. The the Jets, when they get... I was reading uh, Peter King today, uh, Good Morning Football, and he was talking about the number of times the Jets are going to be on primetime TV. And he's saying that this could be a pretty big number there. They might even open up. Now, normally you have Super Bowl champs open up. That would be on Thursday night. You could have... The Cowboys and the Jets maybe play on Sunday night. But, I mean, we don't know when Rogers is getting there. We assume he's getting there. It's inevitable. But um, could you do Jets and Cowboys? And I would think you would want to wait later. You would want to wait till October or November for that. The Jets had one national TV game last year. Peter King says that he bets they have 11 or 12 this year. Between a Thursday nighter, maybe two on Sunday night, one or two on Monday night, maybe five of the Sunday late window doubleheader games. Also, late in the season, there's uh, ESPN has the Saturday games as, as well. There's a Black Friday game, November 24th, day after Thanksgiving. Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. They are going to be on national TV quite a bit. Yes, Mark.
4: What about Jets at Chiefs opening night? Hmm. Biggest acquisition in offseason against the Super Bowl champs opening night? Okay. Um,
2: They do play, right? They do, yes. Okay, (laughs) I (laughs) wanted (laughs) to (laughs) make (laughs) sure. You can't go out of your way and go, you know, you don't play the AFC West, but uh, we're going to let a a special dispensation. But Roger's going to get some uh, primetime treatment here. They're used. They, the Jets are one of those one o'clock games. It almost feels like every every uh, weekend, uh, Jets will be on at one o'clock. That's not going to happen this year, but the uh, schedule will be announced in May. So we got seven plus weeks. They wait after the draft, and then uh, you start to get your matchups of you know who you're going to play. The question is in you know what sequence are you going to be playing, and that's always interesting too. Are you playing? How many road games before you play a big game? How many home games then you go on the road? Is there a quick turnaround? But uh, we got about seven weeks before they announced the schedule. But Peter King thinks probably 11, maybe 12 national, nationally televised games. Uh, let's see. The next great movie night is here. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, Oscar nominated, streaming on Peacock, and it's one impressive cat. We are wondering about uh, people who fill out brackets because everybody does this. And I'm not sure when this changed, where it became a big, you know, big business. Because I I have friends who are in uh, different uh, pools where you can bid. They bid uh, bid, uh, $10,000. They got Purdue. (laughs) Uh, So these guys are all together and there's over $200,000 in this. So these are these are big time, you know, investment people, and you could get like Duke was, you know, sixty five hundred, or you could get UConn, and they have all prices there. And if you take the worst team who gets blown out by the the biggest margin, you can win money that way. There's there's a lot of ways to win money. Yes, Edan. So so these people spent the ten thousand dollars
5: to get a one seed. Yeah. And that one seed they got was Purdue.
2: Yeah, there's, there's, uh, you know, so there'll be a value attached sure. to all these schools. Yeah, sixteen is worth this, but yes. a five is yes. worth that. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I, I saw the the guy after the Purdue loss.
7: <laughs> I, I said,
2: "How's it going?" He goes, "Oh, you want to know how it's going?" I go, "What what happened?" He goes, "Purdue." I said, "Oh yeah, you know they didn't go to the big man." He goes, "No, no, no. My partner and I, we put up ten thousand dollars on Purdue." I said, are you stupid? And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, couldn't you have gotten uh, UConn, Duke? And then Duke got knocked off by Tennessee. Yes, Paul?
3: I went to NCAA.com, and they have some history of brackets. The very first bracket, according to Slate, came from an 1851 chess tournament. They decided to put up a big board. They they could could find an actual photograph of it. Um, Brackets have been around with the NCAA tournament, since the 1930s, like, they used to do with 1939, there was a championship bracket. It was printed, and there's uh, you can remember it. Oregon won, by the way, that year over Ohio State. And according to them, the brackets got so popular. Um, the first bracket pool they could find, according to the Smithsonian, was 1977 in a Staten Island bar where they, a bar had patrons fill out brackets and bet on it. And that was, you know, who knows who actually did it, but that's mm-hmm. what they have. They really credit the internet era of making brackets accessible to everyone. And you could print it. It could be put together instantaneously. So the mid-90s is when they really think the brackets blew up. As far as access that everyone had when everyone could print one
5: at hmm. home. Yes. Because you used to be able to cut it out of the newspaper. Yes. yes. Which was fun. That was a fun part of it, too. Not that, you know, having it on the internet is cool and all, but...
2: I don't remember filling out a bracket when I was growing up. I, you know, it used to be, I'd just say, well, UCLA's going to win. And most of the time they would, but I I don't remember it, you know, having competition here. It's like fantasy. And, And now where fantasy football is, I remember doing, it was called rotisserie baseball. That's how fantasy started. And then all of a sudden it kind of morphed into all the other sports that you could do fantasy, but with the brackets, everybody's filling them out. It's almost like you watch the Academy Awards and chances are you've seen maybe two of the 10 movies. and then, but, but you watch, and you're like, I'm watching the Academy Awards. I didn't see any of these movies. We're watching March, March Madness. We didn't see any of these teams. Fairley Dickinson. Yeah, sure. Florida Atlantic. Furman. Absolutely. And the Princeton Tigers. This is how it sounded as Princeton put away Missouri to advance to the Sweet 16.
4: This one is over. It's official. It is
2: history for the Princeton Tigers. For the first time in school history, Princeton is going to the Sweet 16. Just the fourth 15 seed ever in the history of the tournament to advance to the round of 16. Princeton 78, Missouri 63. Uh, Mitch Henderson, Princeton head coach, will join us coming up uh, a little over an hour from now. Rick Pitino is... He has an offer from St. John's in serious discussions. And uh, I, I, I'd love for him to stay at Iona because two years ago when he was on the show, almost two years to the day when I had him on, and he said that I uh, never turn his back on Iona. Well, you get a chance to go to St. John's and maybe you bring them back and you do that in New York City, and that would be a big deal. Really big deal. He's a great coach. You're going to have Georgetown's open, Notre Dame's open. Has Texas decided that they don't need to go out and get somebody now, now that Texas has done well in the tournament? I don't know. Because that was another one where John Calipari's name was coming up. Coach Cal bowed out against Kansas. He does have an unbelievable recruiting class, maybe the number one recruiting class coming in. But this might be, as as strange as it's going to sound, a make-or-break season coming up for john calipari because if you're going to bring in these you know big time recruits they're going to be one and done and then how far are you going to go in the tournament because then you're going to have to recruit another class to come in uh let's get some uh phone calls here best and worst of the weekend uh chris in south carolina hi chris good morning dp this is the
6: original Chris in South Carolina, uh, just a couple things. And, Mar, please don't pull the trigger. You're quicker on the button than a first-year Marine cadet. Dan, just want to say uh, there's going to be some infighting with the DP show with the callers here. I am going to be the caller of the year. And I understand the other Chris in South Carolina tells Tyler that he's the cool Chris. Well, let me tell him something. In the words of the great Stuart Scott, brother, I'm cooler than the other side of the pillar, mm. and I'm cronger than you. Mm. Today is National Ravioli Day, Dan. I have a bet for Fritzy. I will take Alabama against the field. When we win, I get to rub raviolis all over that potential litter of puppies hanging in front of him. Seaman, me, you, and the national kid of your choice is going to the Super Bowl. DP, love you, baby.
2: Roll all right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, national Ravioli Day. Sorry, I missed that one, man.
3: Yeah. you have that kind of stuff on the rundown. Yeah, yes.
2: See. And believe it or not, what I have for breakfast? Raviolis. Raviolis. Oh, nice. How about that breakfast raviolis? Though. Yeah. Wait. So Chris wants to rub raviolis on your body?
4: Yeah, that's what it sounded like. It sounded a little uh, disturbing.
2: Hot? I... No, it's not. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like something I would have done.
5: Yeah. Two years back. Waste of food, though. New York City drafts at the draft. <laughs> Guess who's rubbing raviolis all over
0: Tom Tinkerbody's? Going there. out, well, a, going out on a limb with
4: only only one seeds that are left in the toilet.
5: Well, you did do a shot off Fritzie's belly. Oh, I did a shot off Fritzie's belly. We've kissed in the opens that we've shot before. Remember we did and Louise and I had to kiss Todd in the backseat. Mm. We got all kinds of stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, it's gotten we're, pretty interesting. We're very close though.
2: Yeah, it's weird because it wasn't in the script. You know, it's like I turn around and you're kissing Fritzie and I yeah. go, uh, no, no, you guys don't do that. Like guys, we're, <laughs> we're rolling. Yeah. Uh, Scott in Nashville. Hi, Scott. What's on your mind today?
6: Hey there, Dan. Hey. I got uh, two worst and one quick line of advice. The first worst, Memphis losing. It felt like when Purdue went down right before that game, the intensity went up to an 11. Knowing that a trip to the Sweet 16 got a little bit easier. I do kind of want to blame the refs for the illegal shot clock by review and the missed timeout call at the end of the game. That was bad.
7: That was bad. Yep. That ball ever.
2: Yep. Yep. That was bad.
6: Second word is now I have to turn around and cheer for FAU because as someone from Memphis, I can't have the balls going to a Final Four. <laughs> that
2: would just be All right. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, I didn't think Tennessee had enough offense. Tennessee's had a pretty good year sports-wise. You think about it. I mean, it's sad that Hooker got hurt. Uh, You know, Penny Hardaway threw the water bottle after the loss. They did miss the timeout. That It felt like everybody on Memphis was calling a timeout. Somehow they missed that. (laughs) And and then uh, Penny threw the water bottle. Yes, yes, uh, Paul. What if coaches had timeout
3: buzzers that went right to the booth or went right to the uh, scoreboard and they once they hit it though, they can't take it back. That'd be a bad idea or a good idea.
2: How about you just send something that sort of shocks the official? Yes, it's yes, like <laughs> <laughs> dog timeout. Dog collar. Yeah. These coaches come on the floor. Like they're they're out there coaching while the game is going on. I'm I'm surprised. I thought that there was like the coaching box that you had to stay in, but they'll be out there. Or calling a timeout. They go on the floor now calling the timeout. Yes, Tom. And
3: they're constantly chirping in the ref's ear. Every time you look, it's amazing what they how much they put up with what's decided to be a technical and what they just have to kind of ignore from the coach.
2: Yes,
4: Marv. And I'm sure they are incredibly intense. Look, I got $350,000 extra riding on this. Yeah. Like, if they get to the Sweet 16, I'm sure there's, like, incentive base, so I'm sure they're coaching even harder. I, don't know. I think that's why Eric Musselman took his shirt off. Really? Another million dollars. Woo!
2: No. Nah. Okay, maybe not. I agree with Seton and Paulie. I think he took his shirt off because he's proud of how he looks at his age. 58 years of age? All right, I get it. It's like Adam Schefter. How old Shefty? He couldn't wait to, you know. I'm sure they really had to, you know, kind of nudge him to take his shirt off. Hey, you, you know, you want to do your Kirk Cousins? No, I'm not going to. Come on. Okay, I will. <laughs> I'll take my shirt off. Yeah, Seton. Yeah, I mean you right. He's fifty eight. He's in shape. His wife is gorgeous. His team is killing
5: it. And I know this moment's gonna go viral. Shirts coming
3: off.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Paul.
3: Shefter's fifty six. That's that that's the region where you wanna mm. show off what mm. you got. The problem is though with guys like that and muscleman, you got the pants with the belt. And no matter how good of shape you are, you can't overcome the pants and belt to make it look like you have love handles, mm. even though you might be in good shape and have mm. abs. Mm-hmm. Shefty suffered from that.
2: Oh, okay.
3: We broke down that video as well. <laughs> Go to YouTube.com all right. for all those details.
2: We got a lot of free time around uh. here. Hey, back that video up. Let me see if uh, Muscleman's got. Uh, does he have any abs there? Yeah, he's, yeah, right there. He's got them right there. It was fun. It was good. I don't know if it's going to the Sweet 16 worthy that you take your shirt off, but I'm guessing now every if he wins again then against UConn then he takes his shirt off again, right? Yeah, Paul. Re
3: looking at the video because of the change, you can't tell. I think uh, Shefty might be a, a chest shaver, or he's <laughs> just yeah. I, there's a the very little chest hair, mm. almost none. Mm. Keep an eye on that story. Okay, you, hey, Paul.
2: Take a break. More phone calls coming up. Best and worst of the weekend. We will give you hours after this Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to
5: plug you right into the NBA grapevine.
4: All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And
1: me, Mark Stein.
4: Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to
1: This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and
4: Mark Stein. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock.
5: And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers you can trade with friends to compete
7: It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
1: This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
2: Princeton knocked off Arizona, then Missouri. Princeton has Creighton coming up on Friday, and their head coach in his 11th season, Mitch Henderson, joining us on the program. Are you surprised that uh, you guys are going to Sweet 16 or how surprised are you?
0: Um I'm surprised I would be lying if I wasn't. It's so good to be with you by the way. I'm such a big fan of your show. Um but the guys aren't. And I think that's the key. That's why we are where we are. And the other thing I will tell you, you know, we don't, we don't have any transfers, you know, that, that's sort of the thing in college basketball. It's a it's really a homegrown group, one through, you know, first year through fourth year and um, they're really close and tight knit group. So um, we have a guy on the team that speaks Chinese uh, guy. that can tell you every flag in the world. I think in thermonuclear dynamics. <laughs> uh, so they're they're They keep each other humble and they have a really good time together. And I think that there's, there's something special, as you know, in March when that happens.
2: But coach, do you, do you embrace Cinderella or do you try to, yeah. you know, give it the Heisman?
0: No way. I think you got to embrace it, right? Like, um, we love, you know, we have a really cool fan base here at Princeton, a, a passionate fan base about their school, um, and they love being, you know, they love the attention. <laughs> so we're we're embracing it. I think it's, you know, that's key, especially on Friday night. We play a nine o five game. Get get them nice and rowdy and embrace the uh, the improbability of it. Have a lot of fun with it. Can you outsmart
2: teams? And I'm not playing to the cliche of Princeton and you know, obviously the academics here, but. Can, can, how does that help you as a coach?
0: I don't. I don't think. You, I mean, I, you know, certainly thinking now of Creighton, I don't think you're outsmarting anybody. Um, although I would say that you know, savviness, high skill level, a commitment to doing the things that you need to do to win, um, and then you know, we have a group that's willing to do those things. I'm not. To me, that's being playing really good basketball. It might be considered smart, but. You know, more just just more possessions. Try to have more possessions in these games. You know, you, you just got to win one, and then you get you get the next one. So I, I don't know that that's smart to me. Then I'll yeah, I, I think uh, I'll take it. Uh,
2: how often do you go back to nineteen ninety six with the upset of UCLA when you were playing it, for your team? Like, how much do they know about your role back in
0: nineteen ninety six? Rarely. Thanks for asking that. And rarely, I for me. I don't think it's wise to talk about your playing days, although that picture's up all the way, all over the place here. I'm, I'm right here in the gym. I can't wait to take that thing down and put some Arizona <laughs> photos up. Um, you know, all the parents when they come on their visits, they're like, "We saw a picture of you downstairs. Boy, you could jump high!" And you know, I was like, "Not anymore." You know, um, and uh, you know, you want for your team for them to have their own memory, and they have that now. And I never went to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, I'm so happy for them and our school is too.
2: And sometimes the team doesn't change, but the people around the team change that now all of a sudden, you know, you got everybody's attention. Whereas yeah. before they're probably like, uh, you yeah, know, probably going to be a one and done, <laughs> but Hey, we got to the tournament. Yeah. Now it feels like the expectation level has jumped quite a bit here.
0: Good. Why, you know, that's why, that's why I'm here. Um, you know, Coach Krill passed away this year, and we've been honoring Coach this year. But he'd be the first person to tell you he wanted Princeton basketball, and and we always have thought of ourselves as we have been a nationally relevant powerhouse program. Now, that hasn't been the case in terms of us making the Sweet Sixteen. But why not? Let's let's keep it going. You know, let's let's move the needle here and keep pushing it.
2: How do you recruit against other schools?
0: I mean, so we, first we cast a huge wide net in terms of grades. That's the first part. Then we aim for the top 20 best players with grades in the country. And we're really simple, really up front. We tell them all about what it's like to be a student athlete here. And again, I mentioned to you, you know, guy on the team speaks fluent Chinese and wants to be secretary of the state. We celebrate (laughs) those things, Dan. We talk about it all the time. Like I don't think there's any hiding from that, that parents entrust us with their kids to say to the kids, no, you're going to be great at both school and basketball our guys are in school today and my parents did that and it changes your life and um it's a, it's it, it really changes your life forever and we talk about that openly and some people like it and others want something else and i think that's the other part is also saying no to families to moving on in a situation where it's maybe not a great fit for you or the family because there's an unrealistic expectation that you know you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, maybe be willing to do everything you need to do to be a student here at Princeton again, because that's the expectation.
2: But with the amount of money that's in college athletics now, and I don't, do you guys have uh, NIL money at Princeton?
0: No, not, not, not the way other schools do. We, we, we have sort of a very different way of looking at it. It's legal now. It is.
2: You got an endowment that I think could buy you probably (laughs) a a
0: national championship team. Yeah. (laughs) But you don't do that now and you know that endowment serves it's a very important purpose to the school and that's that's far beyond me um what we do talk about though is um the enriching experience of the four-year you know we don't have graduate school you know professionalized graduate school here at princeton we you know no med school no law school we really love and dive in on the four-year undergraduate experience the relationships with professors and you know i know you could i i i know your sense of humor a bit you know you'd be like well show me you know where's the money you know um but it's it's we really dive in on the experience the whole experience for the student athlete and uh I think that's enriching in its own way now, look like we're in the sweet sixteen, so there's some opportunities for our guys going into this weekend that they can take advantage of.
2: We're talking to the uh princeton head coach mitch henderson you you grew up though in Kentucky weren't you in Lexington? I was. Did you grow up in Kentucky? Did you want to go to Kentucky?
0: Well, I I grew up in Vincennes, Indiana. There's a junior college there called Vincennes Junior College. Then we moved when I was 12 to Kentucky, and Patino was the coach. And believe it or not, on my junior high basketball team was Keith Willard, who's the head coach at Maryland, Gigi Smith, um, Tubby Smith's kid, who was, you know, just was at High Point and, and, um, Darren Van Horn, who was a, a, the head coach at Northern Kentucky, the all of these, you know, the Willard and and uh, Smith dads were insistent with Patino. I mean, everybody wanted to play for Patino. You know, this was ninety, nineteen eighty nine, ninety when when that that really good Kentucky team was forming. It ended up taking Duke to the final game. So yeah, I, I wanted to go. I wanted to play for Patino.
2: Did you cry after Duke beat Kentucky in uh, the tournament with Christian Leitner's shot?
0: When could. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. You know what's funny? I was at Princeton on my visit at the Nassau Len when uh, Leitner made that shot. I didn't cry, uh, but I was so in love with that team. Uh, Richie Farmer, Darren Feldhaus, Pelfrey, <laughs> uh, Sean Woods made a runner to put him up one. I loved that team, and I, I I was I used to go in the driveway and practice that Sean Woods runner all the time. I hated Leitner, just like you know. And, uh, <laughs> I wasn't crying.
2: What if Leitner said, "Hey, Coach, I'd like to talk to your Tigers before they play Creighton."
0: I would, I would gladly welcome that. You know, I loved that. Did you see that? I hate Christian Leitner. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great, and, you know, I hated him because I was a kid. I didn't know anything different, but um, he was a killer. I would, I would love to have, I would love to have him talk to the guys. I, I loved, you know, I mean, he's, you know, not everybody loved him, but he was a, such a great play, basketball player. You know,
2: you get in these moments, and Rick, or, um, uh, John Calipari talked about this after the loss to Kansas State. He said, not everybody's built for this. And he was talking about players. How do you know if your players or player is or isn't ready for a big moment like
0: this? We were at Dartmouth, best way I can answer it, February you know, 11th, we had a bad game. And I, I went into the locker room and I lost it, and, you know, as much as I can lose it. And I was like, you know, we got back to princeton and i was like don't ever let that happen again you know and you're what you're thinking about in that moment is we don't we don't have it we don't have it and then and then it and then we did all of a sudden we did in, in february and that's and then and then this weekend it took on a whole new level all of a sudden we were close with arizona we didn't lead until a minute left in the game and the guys were they were just chatting non-stop we would come back to the huddle and the guys were just like we got this we got this and it was unanimous all the way around. It was just constant chatter. And if we had lost the game, I would have been so proud of them. But then it took on a whole nother level, and it's just, it's just grown. Um, during the Missouri game, they were on fire, not just making shots. They were having the best time ever, uh, totally responding to the moment.
2: Okay, be honest with me, with family members filling out a bracket, how many had you beating Arizona to start out?
0: Um, just my 10-year-old son. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but he had he has us losing in the Sweet 16. I mean, this morning at breakfast, he goes, I'm regretting that decision. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's a great ride. Have fun. And uh, do you have your speech ready for Friday?
0: Yeah. Uh, not, not quite ready. You got anything in mind? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Maybe you go Herb
2: Brooks, you know, the U.S. Olympic hockey team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're going to remember I, this for the rest of your life. Come on. Why not? You know, I I I think there's some good belief and uh and thinking why not? Why not us? So
2: and, and I do love that slogan, why not. Yeah. And, and it's I agree. you got to believe in yourself before
0: everybody else is going to believe in you. And 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 uh you know, that's what got us here, honestly. So why not keep that going? Don't try to be something you're not
2: uh is why not us is that proper grammar i don't i went to dayton so like
0: it, i'm not i'm not the right person i'm in coaching
2: <laughs> but you got into princeton i did i did by the skin of my teeth what were your sat scores
0: i don't remember I, and i oh, if, you know everybody per, per, remembers perfect, perfect, perfect no <laughs> uh i was on a show the other day they were like hey we took we knew some you know they were Not too long ago, they were like, you heard you had a 4.5 at Princeton. And I was like, well, off by several points. Uh, So, but I'm really happy to be here. And uh, I I work at the best school in the country, Dan. And I'm so thrilled to be representing us.
2: Just remember, Coach, C's get degrees.
0: (laughs) Yeah. A friend of mine used to say D equals diploma.
2: (laughs) Uh, Play some D against Creighton. Yeah. Uh, They got some guys who can score 30 on you. But um, congrats so far. Good luck.